Yes, man, I'm so excited about today, man. I love Sunday. Come on, somebody. We are excited, man, excited to see what God's going to do today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5 most of the time. Um, before that, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, just real quick. Uh, they're going to throw this on the screen. You don't even have to put it in there or you don't have to open it up because it's that fast that we're going to read this. For we walk by faith and not by Let's try it again. We walk by faith and not by, not by sight. Now that's like a very like Christianese thing to say and do, right? Like, like, like you imagine this verse uh, being on a bumper sticker. Like you imagine, like this is your Instagram update. Come on, somebody. Like when you're going through stuff, you're like, well, I walk by faith and not by sight. Like it is the, uh, it is the, it is the epitome of the Christianese language. Like I, I like it. I like the verse a lot. And I think it's so true. Uh, for us, but I think for a lot of us, we say, well, I walk by faith, not by sight. But if we were to be honest, we walk by sight, come on, somebody, and not by faith. Meaning, I'm going to allow what I see to dictate how close I am and how much I pursue the heart of God. I'm going to allow what I feel in a moment to change, uh, to, ch to change how I feel about the church or how I feel about the things of God. For a lot of us, we, we, we want to walk by faith, but if we're to be quite honest with ourselves, we really struggle whenever life doesn't line up with, with our faith. And so my question today is, what do you do when what you feel or what you see doesn't line up with what he says? Now, you guys are, are I know this is the perfect crowd. You guys don't have any life issues. Uh, you have it all together. Life is perfect for you in every way. Well, let me preach to me today and I'll answer the altar call today. Come on, somebody. But I struggle sometimes. I struggle sometimes to, to walk by faith when, when what I see is contrary to what he says about my life. I, I really struggle with that. Like in this setting of scripture, we have Jesus uh, in Mark chapter 5 and he leaves one side of the sea to go to the other side, right? He, we talked about it last week. He leaves one side and he goes to the other side. And when he gets there, the demon-possessed guy shows up and he casts the demon out of the guy. And the guy goes and he ministers to the whole area and the region has revival. And Jesus gets back in the boat. Come on, somebody. And he goes back to the original side. Now, when he gets to the original side, the Bible says in the first few verses that we're, I'm going to tell the story, then we'll start reading in 35. It says that a crowd gathered round about Jesus. They ran to Jesus and they began to grab a hold of him and pull at him, right? And, and as they were pulling at him, this guy named Jairus shows up. Say Jairus. Jairus. It says that he's a synagogue ruler. Now, Jairus' name in the Greek there literally means one who is enlightened by God. That's a good thing. Amen. That's a good thing. Now, he's a synagogue ruler. The synagogue ruler's job, you guys know what a synagogue ruler is? I didn't either. I had to look it up. Come on, somebody. And uh, so I looked it up, and, and literally his job was everything that pertained to the synagogue. So literally, if, if the floors needed clean, that was his responsibility to make sure it happened. Uh, if, if, if the walls needed painted, if, if the electrical wasn't working right, just kidding somebody, come on. If the AC wasn't, wasn't working, he had to make sure that it got done. This was his, this was his responsibility in, in life. And not only that, but he also managed the, the worship services. So if whoever was preaching, his job was to make sure whoever was preaching was, was right in their theology. Come on, somebody. His job was to make sure that what they said lined up with, with the, 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 the commandments of God um, given that Moses had. His, that was his responsibility in life. 
So he had a pretty big responsibility. Now his daughter is sick. So he runs to Jesus in this crowd and he says, look, man, my daughter is sick. He says he falls at his feet, Jairus said. He said, my daughter is sick. Can you show up? Can you come and can you help us? Can you heal my daughter? And Jesus looks at him and is like, yeah, of course I'll go. I'd love to go. And that's what I do, right? Like, I would love to heal your daughter. Let's go do this. Now, in the beginning of this, in verse 21, it says um, that the, 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 the crowd, uh, 24, I'm sorry, the crowds thronged about him. So the crowds, are, we're not talking tens of people or hundreds of people. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of people are grabbing at Jesus. Now, Jairus, you got Jesus, his 12 disciples, and Jairus, right? They're going to go heal Jairus' daughter. And as they're walking, the crowd is pulling on Jesus' clothing. They're pulling on his body, right? They're, they're, they're tearing at him. They're ripping at him. And I was thinking about this from Jairus' perspective. How ticked off would you be? If, if you need this miracle, if it's something you want to do and your progress is slowed. Anybody get, anybody get frustrated when, when you got a person in front of you that doesn't know how to drive the speed limit? Like, I'm not, I, I wish you'd go a little fast, but I'm not asking you to break the law, especially when I'm being recorded. Come on, somebody. But I'm saying just go the speed limit. Just go the speed limit, especially when I leave here. We go back to Stockton to go preach, and we always get behind someone that thinks it's 35-mile-an-hour Sunday. Sweet Jesus, take the wheel. Literally, take her wheel, pull her over so I can go around her. Y'all know what I'm saying. Like, like, that drives me absolutely nuts. We went to, we took my kids to uh, my, my, young, my youngest, my oldest son, Jace. We did a cousin swap with my brother and his boy. And we met in Van Buren, Missouri, which is beautiful, but it's like three and a half hours away. I don't know why we chose to do this three and a half hours away to meet. It's, it was supposedly halfway. I don't think it was halfway, but whatever. So we, we go down there and we're on our way back. And I told Megan and the kids, I want you all come. We'll go get in the current river for an hour. We'll swim, be a good day. She's like, that sounds wonderful, honey. On our way back, she pulls this one on me. Hey, baby, can we swing by Lowe's? Now, listen, it's not that I, it's not that I don't want to do that stuff. It's not that I don't want to go to Lowe's. It's that I just want to know at the beginning of the day when I'm going to have a 14-hour day that you want to add four more hours onto my day so we can look around. Let me know I'm staying in the house. Like, I just want to know. I just, I don't want my, I don't want my progress to be slowed on a whim. Come on, somebody. So we had a few moments in Lowe's uh, where we were disagreeing about life. Come on, somebody. But we worked through it and I took charge and we got it done. And it wasn't that I didn't want to go to Lowe's and it wasn't that I didn't want to get in an argument. It was that I just wanted to plan for it. Jairus is like, look, if I knew that it was going to take you three extra hours to get through this crowd, I would have planned something. Jesus, I, don't. I think some of us in our life, we're going, Jesus, I don't know why you're moving so slow, but do you not understand what I have to do? Would you please hurry up just a little bit? Anybody know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm saying? You're quiet today. Anybody know what I'm saying? I'm like, Jesus, can you just do something? Like, can you just be, just, just, I mean, just hurry this thing up. So he's walking, and the crowd is slowing him down, and Jairus is frustrated. And then this woman shows up, issue of blood for 12 years. She grabbed a hold of his cloak, and I wish I had time to go into, she grabbed a hold of the hem of his cloak, and that was the, he, he wore a priestly coat. Then at the bottom of the priestly coat, there were, uh, it was called talits, and it was the 613 commandments or laws of God. And she grabbed a hold of those commandments, saying, I'm not letting go until you do what you said you're going to do. But she grabs a hold of him, and Jesus stops in the middle. Hundreds of people clawing at him. He stops, and he goes, who touched me? 
And his disciples are like, oh, sweet Jesus. Sweet, precious Jesus. Jesus, everybody's touching you. The question isn't who's touching you. A better question, Lord, is who is not touching you. Everybody, Jesus, is touching you. I'm sure, I'm sure that they were just like, oh, man, Jesus has lost his mind. Who's touching you? And Jesus like, no, 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 no. He said, I felt something different. I felt virtue leave my body. He said, a lot of people are grabbing at me. A lot of people are touching me. He said, but I felt someone touch me with an expectancy to receive something from me. Can I tell you, there's a difference when you pray and try to touch heaven than when you pray and touch heaven with an expectancy of the nature and the character of God to be displayed in your life. See, he ain't looking for people just to pray over their meal. He's looking for some people in this house that'll reach and touch him with an expectancy of his nature to be displayed in their life. He's looking for some people to grab a hold of him and say, I'm not letting go till I have what you said I can have. That's what he's saying. Expectancy. He said, I just felt, I, I, there was some, someone touched me with some expectancy. I don't know what that was, but I liked it. Who touched me? And this woman drops her head. She said, I did. I did. Now this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. Matter of fact, it says in verse 34, no, 33, she came fearing and trembling. She fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, I'm not saying anything derogatory. I'm just saying, you ever been around a female that tells you the whole truth? She all, well, when I was, I was two, I started walking. <laughs> and when I was seven, I went to like, she's telling him the whole truth. Like every piece of the truth, so help her God, so help her him. <laughs> Like she's telling him everything that's going on in his life. And I think that's great. You should tell him everything. Unless if you're Jairus in this story. Jairus is like, would you just shut up? <clears throat> Jairus is like, woman, we got stuff to do. He don't care what you had for dinner two weeks ago and why you're Instagramming it. No one knows. No one cares. Come on, somebody. I don't know what's going on. Jairus is like, the whole truth. Now, it's interesting. She told him, I had this issue of blood for 12 years. And when I touched you, I felt a miracle happen in my body, and, which is awesome. But, but the thing about it that, that, that made her afraid was because she had an issue of blood, it would have made her unclean in the day. So everybody she touched on the process to get to Jesus became unclean in the day. Come on, somebody. And when she touched the hold of Jesus, it would have in that moment made this man that thousands of people are touching unclean. And in fact, then everybody that would have touched him from thereafter would have been unclean. Really, she was afraid of saying, I've just made, by my one act, I've made everybody else unclean. It's almost reminiscent of what Adam did in the garden when he sinned. Come on, somebody. Sin entered the world. So Jesus came by one act, sin into the world. And by one act, the death on the cross, all were made available to the righteousness of God. It's so funny because she realized in one moment she could have made everybody unclean and in one moment he made everybody clean she grabbed a hold unclean she knew he can have me killed he could have me beaten and abused this could be a real bad day for me and he looks at her and he says it's all good honey 
Go. Go. Your faith has healed you. Go. Go in peace. Go. Go in, go, go in complete peace. I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, for Jairus, progress is slowed. Progress is really slowed at this point. It's, it's come to a stop. And now, Jesus is unclean. So progress isn't just stopped, it's delayed indefinitely. At least for seven days so he can go through the cleaning process, the cleansing process. That's, what, that's what's going on in Jairus' mind. Because what is his job? You're right, he's the ruler of the synagogue. I'm happy you all said that in unison. There's going to be a test afterwards. My God in heaven. He's a synagogue ruler. So he knew the rules of the day. He knew. He knew. He is in a dilemma knowing, oh my gosh, everybody's unclean. Now, I ain't touched anybody, but if I have this unclean man, Jesus, into my home, my whole house becomes unclean. And I have to, my, my job tomorrow is to be in the temple and I will be unclean. If I allow this man into my home, I could lose my job. I could lose my friends. I could lose some stuff. And the truth is, guys, anytime you are going to allow Jesus into your home, there will always cause a cultural conflict. Anytime you allow the fullness of his character into your home, it will always bring dilemma of what you're going to do. It will, it will often cost you some relationships, but it's okay because those relationships weren't probably very healthy in the first place. He's really in a place saying, whoo, what am I going to do? And as he's talking, Jesus is talking, verse 35. And while they were still speaking, there came a ruler's house. Someone who said, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher any further. Verse 36. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't fear, only believe. Jesus, he's the, he's the master eavesdropper. Come on, somebody. He's having this conversation, but hearing your cry at the same time. He's talking to this woman, but hearing this man's cry. He turns, and I love this verse, 36. I love this verse. He said, overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, five simple words, do not fear, only believe. Now, I know when he says this to, to Jairus, Jairus is like, easy for you to say, Jesus. Do you, did you not hear the report I just got? Like, okay, that's a cute phrase, Jesus, but do you not understand what I'm going through now? Like, okay, Jesus, I get that. I get what you're saying. I, I get it. You're saying that I don't need to be afraid because you're always with me and so on and so forth. But are you unaware of the news that I, I think sometimes this is us. We're going, God, I know, I, I know I'm supposed to walk by faith and not by sight, but what I see terrifies me. What I see, I struggle with. What I see does not line up with what you say and I'm in a place, I'm beginning to believe the lies that my eyes are telling me versus what you have declared over my life. Don't fear. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Don't fear. James, James says if you, if you believe and ask, but you, your faith wavers, to expect nothing from God. I like what Romans 4, 19 says. It talks about Abraham and Abraham's faith. And it says, Abraham, man. In Romans, it says, Abraham was old and his wife was old. And they said, you will have kids. And they believed God. They believed him. It's what a wild thought that God told them something and they believed him at his, 
word. At his word. We were, uh, I married a couple in our Stockton church and they were in there right at 60. And um, Briley, my youngest daughter, she goes, oh, that's so good. Did, did, did they get married? Did, did Mitch marry Kelly so Kelly could take mar- care of Mitch? I went, absolutely. <laughs> and then Briley goes, oh, okay. When are they going to have their baby? <laughs> Abraham, when, when God told him, was 75. At 100, he has the kid. But it, it, but, but it says that he believed God at his word. And it was credited to him as righteousness. What's credit? Anybody have credit in the house? Okay, we're going to build a building, so we might need your help. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Credit, basically, and I know there's a more technical definition, but credit, basically, is giving you an opportunity to to pay for something as if you had all the resource to pay for it, even though you don't have it yet. Okay? So, Abraham, now the interesting thing, when God said to Abraham that it was credited to him as righteousness, that was before righteousness came into play. Because righteousness didn't come into play until righteousness could be measured. And it was originally measured by the law. So, God, through faith, watched Abraham. Because of faith, he watched Abraham. Because of Abraham's faith, he watched Abraham believe what God said and live what God said as a truth, even though it didn't happen or lie up in his current life he watched this go on and he says I am going to give him access to righteousness even though he has no ability to pay for it yet I'm going to give him access to righteousness right standing with God before I even institute righteousness in the earth that's what faith does that's what faith does. That's what it's saying. That's what faith does. Jesus is, is looking at Jairus and he says, don't fear, only believe. Only believe. And Jairus is like, are you kidding me? Do you not see what I'm going through? Do you not get what I'm feeling? Only believe. And Jesus is like, look, I understand. I understand that, that, that fear walked in the room what Jesus is saying. He's like, he's saying, I understand that, 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 that something has came and something has happened and it's caused you to be afraid or caused you to be insecure or something has happened and it's caused you to wonder if I can do what I said I can do. He said, I understand the presence of fear walked in the room. He said, but I need you to do me a favor. Don't let fear take root. In the presence of fear, he says, I need you to focus on faith. I need you to guard your eyes and shut them if necessary. I need you to walk by faith and not by sight. I get it, Jairus. You're in a place that's very uncomfortable. I get it. I get you don't like what you see. Then shut your eyes. I I get it. Some of y'all don't like what's going on. And maybe it's great. I don't know for each one of you. It's probably different. But there's times in our life we have to shut our eyes and walk by faith and trust God's going to do what he says he's going to do. I begin to think, is it possible? This is right after this miraculous miracle with this woman with the issue of blood. Is it possible? I, I was thinking about this. Uh, Megan, I was thinking about this. I was thinking how God brought a miracle to this guy to see. And I begin to think how terrible we are at celebrating other people's miracles. 
No, no, for real. Now, I, we're not going to call it a miracle in this so setting. But someone comes and you're really hoping for a promotion and you've got more bills than money. Come on, somebody. And, and you're really hoping for something good to happen to you. You're really hoping for a baby. You're hoping to get married. And someone else comes and they're like, guess what? I'm pregnant. And you're like, oh, good. You're 14th child. I'm happy for you. Oh, good. Another promotion. Good. That's so exciting. Good for you. Yay. And we say we're happy. We're like, oh, I'm so happy for you. That's great. And then you go and you're like, I can't believe it. They have all the luck. I can't believe. They, they're, <laughs> nope, again, I filtered it. It would have been funny. I'll tell you later. <laughs> I can't believe they get all the luck. I can't believe everything happens to them. And, and I think sometimes God's going, no, I'm trying to get you to understand something. I'm trying to get you to learn to celebrate other people's miracles. Because I want to show you what I can do in you. Because if I did it for them, I'll do it for you. And if I did it before, I can do it again. Maybe the miracle with the woman with the issue of blood. Is it possible that it was more about Jairus and his daughter than it was even about the woman that got the miracle? Maybe the delay that you're facing isn't a delay at all. Maybe it's a declaration of what God wants to do in your life. Maybe if we would take times in those moments and begin to celebrate God for who he is and God for what he can do do when we need a miracle we will have faith to not believe what we see but stand on what he says is, is it possible only believe Jesus it says he only allowed Peter James and John to come with him I think it's funny because he had 12 disciples but he knew he had to walk in another level of faith and can I tell you, if you're going to walk by faith and not by sight, you need to guard your faith circle. We, we have a tendency to go, okay, I'll, I pick you because you're my best friend. Listen, when I was young and I picked teams for kickball, I picked to win. Come on, somebody. You could be my best friend. But if, if listen, if you weren't good at kickball, they ain't picking you anyhow. I'll get you later on down the line. Come on, somebody. This is what's going on. It's not that Jesus didn't love Bartholomew. It's not that he didn't love some of these other guys. But he knew that he had to walk in a level of faith. And if he was going to walk by faith and not by sight, he had to guard the circle of faith that he was in. Not everybody can go into every room with you. Sometimes there has to be some people and you can like them and you can love them. But that doesn't mean they get access to your faith world. You need to be around people that, that, that lift your faith up. Let me, let me make this make sense. He's saying, okay, we gotta walk in, we're going to walk in this room, guys. And there's a, there's a young lady that's passed away hours now. And, and we need to believe, okay? I need you to walk in total faith, okay? I'm just going to take two of you. Uh, Judas and Thomas, y'all come with me. <laughs> Doubting Thomas and Judas the betrayer. Now, he loved them. He loved them. He discipled them just like he discipled John, James, and Peter. But he understood not everybody could walk in the same level of faith at the same time. See, we all have access to that level of faith, but not all of us are ready to walk in that level of faith. He says, look, I'm taking you three with me. And we need to only believe. No doubt, only believe. You're going to see some things in your walk, but only believe. Only believe, only believe. He says, only believe. And they're walking in the room and they're walking in the house and everybody's crying. And Jesus looks around. He's looking around. He's like, why y'all crying? Why y'all crying? And 
they're like, are you kidding me? This little girl just passed away. And Jesus is like, oh, no, no, no. She's just, she's chilling, man. She's just sleeping. She just, she's, she's sleeping. And what's it say they did? 40, verse 40. And they, yeah, they laughed at him. I found this so fascinating. Because if you're going to walk by faith, people will find it funny. If you're truly going to walk in the faith and do the things that God has called you to do and shown you to do, if you're going to make it through hard times in relationships, if you're going to make it through terrible twos in parenting, glory to God, can I get a witness? If you're going to make it in those times, I can promise you this, you're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. And when you begin to walk by faith, the world will always find it funny. The society will always find it funny when you walk by faith if that's not how they walk. Sometimes I like to tell people some of the things that I'm thinking about, even if I know they don't believe like me, because I like to watch the confusion happen in their head. <laughs> I like to watch it happen. <laughs> that's, that's mean, I know, but it's funny. It's like, it, it's, it's almost like this. Can I use a, a fishing reference that I'm, I'm learning how to fish? I'm not any good, but I'm learning. It's like I'm sitting on the back of the boat, and the guy on the front of the boat's got the trolling motor, and he's got that fish finder right under him. Now see, he knows where to go because he has access to something that I can't see. I wish he would get this. I'm looking at him going, I don't know why. I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think we should fish over here. I don't think, I don't think you should do that. I don't think that makes any sense. And I can argue and I can complain all I want, but the reality is that dude's the one catching fish, not me. See, because he has access to see, I'm about to preach, to see something that is unseen. My God in heaven. And the Holy Ghost is like your fish finder. And he will give you access to see things that are unseen. And the reality is society at times might look at you and go, you just do these things kind of funny. And Jesus said, that's true, I do. Now get out the way, I'm walking in the room. Jesus walks in the room. Says he shuts the door behind him. Well, I wish I had time to preach how you got to shut some stuff out of your life. Let me say it again. They kind of got it. Y'all didn't hear it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's some times if you're going to walk by faith and not by sight, you have to shut the door on some stuff. There's some things you can like it and love it, but you still got to shut the door on it. Shuts the door. He brings in mom and dad, walking by faith. They walk in the room. And their lives lies the lifeless daughter. I'm sure Jairus in this moment was looking at him, looking at his daughter. And what's going on in his mind is, only believe. Only believe? It's over. Only believe. It's over. Only believe. God, are you in the same room that I'm in? Only believe. Only believe. Are you, are you kidding me right now? Jesus walks in the room. Worship team can come on up. Jesus walks in the room. Her body was cold. It's like he grabbed a hold of her hand. And he says these two words. Talitha kumai. Talitha kumai. Talitha means little girl. He whispers, I don't think he shouted. 
Because power is not in a level of volume. Power is in a level of connection. Thought you might get excited about that. Power is not in how high I jump or how loud I can pray. It's how connected to the Father I am. He looks at this little girl holding her hand. He says, Talitha, little girl, Kumai, rise. It's interesting. She gets up. Jesus wasn't surprised. He said, hey, while she's up, make her a sandwich. He's a good daddy. It says in the next verse that she starts walking around. Put that verse up there. I don't know, 44, 42, 2, 42. 42. And immediately the girl got up and began walking around. And I, I read that. And Dr. Barges, I read that and it messed with me because I thought, the Bible talks with such specificity. Why would he say, why would they take time to mention that she was walking around. What is the importance of them understanding for, for him, for, the, for us to read, especially in Mark, because he was, he was a, a points person, not a details person, right? He wanted you to get the gist of what happened, not all the details. Why would they have wanted us to understand that she began walking around? So I said, I don't understand this, God. You got to show it to me. And God said, well, what did I tell her to do? So I read it again right there in the word. Talitha Kumai. Talitha Kumai. Little girl, get up. Little girl, get up. Little girl, arise. And I begin to understand it. Did, did you catch it? I begin to understand it. He looked at her and he did not say, little girl, come back to life. It's not what he said. He said, little girl, start living again. My God, I feel I came to this house to tell some people some life situations has got you down. It's got you discouraged. It's got you in a bed. He called you to get off of. And I am here to tell you to get back up. It's time to live again. It's time to live again. Get back up. Don't stay down. Arise. Live again. Live again. Live again. I read this. I read this and I thought of John 10, 10. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and live. Life and life abundant. Life and life to the max. I begin to think of a lot of us in some life situations have us down. Some life issues have us laying on a mat and I thought well this girl was dead and she got back up what's your excuse come on yes yes what's your excuse for doing nothing for the kingdom of God what has happened in your life that you said God I'm done trying is there anybody else that's with me in the house that's with us in the back that can say I'm done sitting down on the job I'm getting back up I'm getting back on my feet and I'm gonna go and do the things that God has called me to do is there anybody else under the sound of my voice that's ready to live again that's ready to live again that's ready to do what he's called you to do to walk by faith and not by sight to walk in courage to walk in calling to walk in compelling, to walk in anointing. Is there anybody else that's here that says, I'm getting up and I'm going to live?
for 12 years using the reference of the story maybe it's been a lifetime and maybe it's time to reach out and grab hold of the one thing that can stop I feel like there's people here today that have lost joy that have lost life like there's people online watching that that have been years since they have been able to get off of the couch and go live their life to the fullest because they have we have just set in the spot that we're in we can't see to find joy in life any longer can I tell you today it's here right here it's a decision away it's an arm length away it's words away nobody looking around this morning if, if God has been stirring your heart this morning if you've walked through stuff that feels like I'm not worthy no one can fix this issues. That's you this morning and you're ready to set the issue aside and rise to the potential and calling that God has for you. Don't you just lift your hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands everywhere. You're not alone. Can we lift, just leave them up? I'm talking extended. prayer you feel like it's you just lift your hand father God, we are calling for power 
we're calling for life in dead situations. We're calling for the binding of addictions and the loosening of living life that you have called us to. God, I pray for the people, including myself this morning, that has our hands lifted high, looking for life. God, would you just fill us today? Right now, as we're speaking your name, Jesus, would you do a miracle that only you can do? Break chains. Break the bondage of past. As we speak your name, Jesus, we are expecting a move and a change <laughs> it can only come from you God yes Jesus right now if you're still here hearing my voice online wherever you are and you don't know who Jesus is and you want to meet him this morning as your personal Lord and Savior Maybe you have before. It's time to come back. Would you just be so brave to lift your hand this morning? Say, I'm ready to meet Jesus again. I'm ready to meet for the first time. I'm ready to come back to the point of more life. represents authority and power over the holds of the enemy. <laughs> God, I, I'm thankful that I can speak the name of Jesus and joy floods my soul. Joy begins to spring out like a well and depression has to run and flee. God, I'm thankful that I can stand here today and not be perfect and not have everything together and you still love me so much that you meet me here. Father, you are a good, good Father. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives this morning. In your name we pray. Can we give a just a resounding praise to God for what he did in the building this morning? God moved. We got to witness and be a part.